Love came down and the earth stood still. Love came down. Love was brought down to earth for me, for you, for every single person that is sitting in this room tonight. Uh, A couple thousand years ago, there was this letter written. In fact, it was written to the early Christian church uh, in an area called Ephesus, which would be in present-day Turkey. And it was written by a guy that goes by the name of John. In fact, the letter is titled 1 John, and aptly so, and I joke around with the church all the time. Like, they weren't much for creativity and naming back then, so 1 John, written by a guy named John. Now, John was one of the 12 disciples, uh, often referred to as one of the 12 apostles, which is just kind of a fancy way of saying this is one of the 12 guys that spent virtually every waking moment with Jesus. They spent so much time with Jesus when he was here on earth. And John, uh, when he kind of talks about love, I think we ought to pay attention to what he had to say. Because after all, again, this is a guy that spent time with Jesus in the flesh. And even if you don't necessarily believe that Jesus was the son of God, uh, he sure seemed to be pretty good at loving people. He, seemed sure, he sure seemed to have this whole love thing down pretty well. And at one point, John says this in this letter. He says, God is love, which is kind of a strange way to think about that, right? That God could somehow be an attribute, that, that, that God could somehow be an emotion, but so he says, he says, God is love, and all who live in love actually live in God, because after all, God is love, and God lives, in turn, lives in them. God lives in you. Have you ever thought about that before? That the reason that we all intuitively have an understanding of love is because God loved you first? I mean, none of you ever took an exam on love, None of you ever went away to college and took a 400-level course on love. One of the first subjects when you got into grade school, it wasn't like they were like, hey, we're going to put this whole counting thing on hold. We're going to put this whole reading thing on hold. First, we're going to tackle this subject of love. Chances are, even your parents probably never explained to you what love was. I mean, my my parents never did that for me. I I have a daughter that's about to turn three years old. Her name is Logan. She turns three, actually, this, this next month. And I have to explain to her just about everything. She is at the why stage of her life. Why do I have to do this and why? She asks why for everything. And I don't think she's trying to be a pest. She's honestly just trying to understand everything. I have to explain to her why she can't eat cookies for breakfast. I have to explain to her why it's important that she actually sleeps at night. I have to explain to her why she can't watch TV every single hour of every single day. I have to explain to her why it's a bad idea for her to shove her brother into the fireplace. I mean, these are... (laughs) These are all hypotheticals. These don't actually happen. Okay. I have to explain just about everything to Logan. But you know what I've never done, and I suspect that I never will have to do? Sit her down and explain to her what love is. Because every single one of us that are sitting in this room today, regardless of what your background looks like, regardless of what kind of parents you have, regardless of how difficult or easy of an upbringing you've had, regardless of whether or not you even call yourself a Christian, Whether this is your first time stepping into a church in 2018 or you come to church basically every single week, whether you even want to be here or you basically got bribed or forced into showing up here tonight, I know you're out there. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It does not matter who you are. When you feel love, you just know. When someone has love for you or you have love for another person, you know. No class, no explanation needed. And you know why that's the case? Why that is something that has been seemingly built into every single person that has ever walked the face of the earth? It's because John was onto something. It's because God is love. Love has its origin in God. It's not something that we have all just somehow coincidentally or accidentally stumbled into. It is from the God who is love 
that all other love takes its source. Human beings are the only thing that were created in the image, in the likeness of God. It's like this little piece of God, our creator, that has built, been built into every single one of us. And nowhere is God's love more prevalent, more obvious than on Christmas, the, the day that we get to celebrate the birth of my, of your, of our Savior. Now, chances are, no matter what your background looks like, again, whether you come to church all the time, whether this is like the one time a year you come to church, we're probably all at least vaguely familiar with this whole Christmas story, right? This idea that God sent down his one and his only son to earth, you know, and eventually he would pay the penalty for all our sins, but you know, he started in very humble beginnings in a manger, you know, all these animals are around, and depending on, you know, where you grew up, maybe the animals even talked, right? Like, you probably have heard this story before, and if you're skeptical of it, I get it. Because it can kind of seem like a fairy tale. It can seem a little bit like a myth. It can seem too perfect. It can just seem too good to be true. But fortunately for us, there are these two guys that recorded this particular event in great detail. One of them goes by the name of Matthew and the other one goes by the name of Luke. Now Matthew was another one of those 12 disciples, another one of those guys that spent virtually every waking moment with Jesus. Luke, a little bit of a different story. Luke actually never met Jesus. Luke never spent any time with Jesus in the flesh. In fact, Luke was a doctor. And he was hearing about all these things related to Jesus, all these stories, all these miracles. He's born of a virgin. And he's like, okay, like many of you that are sitting here today, he was skeptical. And so he went out and he started to fact check this stuff. He started to talk to the people that claimed they had seen these just incredible, incredible events. And one of the fascinating things about Matthew's account in particular is that when he records this event, he doesn't start with once upon a time. He doesn't start within a land far, far away because again, that's how fairy tales begin. That's how made up stories begin. That's how myths begin. No, he actually starts out with something that is far more boring. He says this, this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. And then he proceeds to meticulously go through this genealogy all the way leading up to the birth of Jesus. And if you're anything like me, and if you read this stuff for yourself, and I would recommend doing so, don't take my word for it. But when you come across this stuff, you probably just skip by it. It's a bunch of names. You even have probably thought at some point in your life, why do they include this stuff? It's so boring. But the reason that Matthew includes this detailed genealogy, because it was his way of saying, fact check me on this stuff, I dare you. This stuff happened. Jesus was a real guy, and in fact, nobody debates that anymore. Even the most devout atheists acknowledge that Jesus was undoubtedly a real person. Now, whether or not he was the son of God, that might be up for debate. But he says, Jesus was a real guy, and here are the people that he was related to. Jesus was an actual person, and here's the proof. And as difficult as this is going to be to believe what I'm about to tell you, this stuff happened. And right after he goes through this genealogy, he says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. Not best as I can tell, not from what I could gather up. You know, this kind of seems like maybe what might have happened. He says, no, this is how. This is how it went down. This is how it happened. I talked to the people that were there. I was there for a lot of this stuff. I verified this stuff. You can go ask them. I just gave you all of their names. And then he dives into this crazy story of a young couple, Mary and Joseph, who are engaged to be married. And out of nowhere, she gets engaged. I mean, she, she, gets, she gets pregnant. And Joseph's looking at her like, okay, we've never slept together, so 
this is awkward, but you must have cheated on me. And she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I got pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And he's like, okay, nope, not buying that. You cheated on me, we're done. But an angel appears in front of Joseph and is like, hey, actually she's telling the truth. And, and they're told that they're gonna fulfill this prophecy that everybody would have known about. The prophecy to end all prophecies. That eventually God was gonna send this Messiah, a savior into the world to not only redeem their people, but to redeem the entire world. And by the way, you're gonna raise that kid And Luke, he goes into similar detail. And if you're skeptical of Christianity, you will love Luke, again, because he is a doctor and he didn't believe any of this stuff. And he goes around and he talks to all these eyewitnesses. He dedicates his life to going around and talking to these people and verifying all this information. And Luke starts his account with this. He says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled. And it's a big word, fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness report circulating among us from the early disciples having carefully investigated everything from the beginning. I aborted my, my, my whole practice. I'm no longer a doctor. This is what I've dedicated my life to. I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain, so you no longer have to doubt anymore, so you know that this isn't just fairy tale. so you know this isn't just a myth, so you can be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught. He went around and he verified all this stuff because he, like so many of us, was skeptical. It seemed so unimaginable. The things that he was hearing about Jesus seemed so incredibly absurd. And he knew that if this stuff is true, if these things that he had heard about Jesus were accurate, if this stuff actually happened, it didn't require just mere reflection. It didn't require deep thought. It demanded, it prompted a response. And he wanted to know if he needed to start responding. And then throughout Jesus' life, there are so many more moments where if you were there, you would have just stopped and been like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that this is happening. I mean, he turns water into wine. He walks on water. He gets one of his pals to walk on water. Crippled people can suddenly walk. Blind people can suddenly see, mute people, they can suddenly talk. I mean, all these incredible events, all these incredible earth stood still type moments where you're going, what is happening? In fact, throughout Jesus's life, he fulfills over 300 prophecies. Some of you probably don't know this, but the Old Testament, the first half of this book that we often refer to as the Bible, it is the Jewish scriptures, If you left right now and went to a Jewish synagogue, you would find verbatim the exact same thing that we have in our Old Testament. These writings that are ancient, thousands and thousands upon thousands of years old. And Jesus, in that book, he fulfills over 300 of those prophecies. You guys, that is jaw-dropping. The odds of one man fulfilling just eight of those prophecies, you know what the odds of that are? One in 100 quintillion. I bet you don't know what quintillion is because I didn't. It's a random number. Nobody ever goes that high. One in 100 quintillion. Quintillion is one with 18 zeros after it. That's fulfilling just eight of them. To put that in practical terms, I looked this up. It would be like filling the state of Texas knee deep in silver dollars. And on one of those silver dollars, you put a black X, you flicked it back out in the pool, you sorted them all back up again. And then you set a blindfolded person loose. And on their first pick... They pick up the silver dollar with the black X. Same odds as one human being fulfilling just eight prophecies. And he fulfilled over 300. His entire life were these nonstop, jaw-dropping, earth-stood-still moments. And because Luke was skeptical, 
because everything that he had been hearing seemed so absurd, he investigated, and guess what? He found out that it actually happened. He was certain of it. And because he's a doctor, and he has that kind of a mind, he's so certain that he anchors these events to a specific point in history. And again, we get to this stuff, and we just breeze by it. But he says this at the beginning of the second chapter. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken where Quirinius was governor of Caesarea. Hey, Luke, who cares? Don't much care about censuses. But again, it was Luke's way of saying, fact check me on this stuff, I dare you. This stuff happened. And I'm so certain it happened, I am now going to pin this stuff to a specific point in history. Not only when Augustus was emperor, but during that emperor, when he was king, when he was the emperor over all the land, there were two censuses taken, and it was during the first one. So now you can go back in not only biblical literature, but non-biblical secular literature as well, and you can tie it all back to this point in history. He's going, I didn't fall for a ruse. I have not fallen for a fairy tale. I investigated this stuff, and now you can go back and fact check me. And then he tells the exact same story that Matthew tells us, only more detail, because again, He's a doctor. Now, I am not arrogant enough to somehow think that I am going to convince you to follow Jesus in about 10 minutes. But the question that I will ask every single one of you to wrestle with tonight, what if? What if it's true? What if God really did look down on our world? He really looked down on every single one of us and he chose to get involved. And he sent his one and his only son for every single one of you so that you can get a right standing with him. So that you can have a relationship with him. What if it's true? And if it's true, it has life-altering implications that do not require mere reflection. They demand, they demand a response. This type of love, it's unprecedented. It's different. It's life-altering. When we look at this story of Christmas, this real event of Christmas, I think there are two things that particularly stand out regarding God's love. The first one is this. It's a love that holds nothing back. We so often here on earth, we, we experience love with conditions, right? I'll love you as, as long as you don't cheat on me. I'll love you, but as soon as you mess with one of my kids, all bets are off. I, I used to love you, but then you kind of took advantage of me financially, so, well, not so much anymore. But think about this. God sent his one and his only son to earth and was prepared to sacrifice him for me and for you. It's a love that we will never totally appreciate, that we'll never be able to totally comprehend and totally understand. See, most of you that are sitting out here today, you'd probably die for a family member. You'd die for your spouse probably certainly die for one of your kids. I mean, some of you guys that just have love kind of flowing out of your body, you might even die for a close friend. But God sent his one and his only son for us while we were still sinners. In the midst of us rejecting him. In the midst of us constantly turning our backs to him. I mean, think of how bittersweet Christmas must have been for God. That first Christmas when he sends his one and his only son into the earth. But to know that eventually... His son would be killed despite the fact that he would never do anything wrong. And he did it for people like you and me. People that constantly reject him. 
people that constantly turn our backs to him. His love holds nothing back. And then two, it's a love that is completely undeserved. It is completely and utterly undeserved. It wasn't as if God looked down onto our earth and was like, you know what? They're really knocking it out of the park. You know, I mean, they're just really putting their best foot forward. We did nothing to somehow get him to bend in this direction. God is that boyfriend that keeps taking the cheating girlfriend back over and over and over again. And his boys are like pulling him aside like, okay, I just don't think she's going to get any better at this. It kind of just seems like who she is at this point. Shoot, even the girlfriend's mom's calling you at this point. She's like, I love my daughter, but she's not a very good person. You seem like a pretty nice guy. You might want to move on from her. But God, because again, he is love, he gives us an opportunity to still be made right with him, and it is completely undeserved. You know, it would be no wonder for us to love God when we consider everything that he's done for us, especially when we consider Jesus. The the, the wonder is that he loves poor and disobedient people like us. You, You know, if this whole story of God loving us so much that he sent his one and his only son to earth for us so that we could be made right with him, so that we could still have a relationship with him. If this is true, it's a showstopper. It's a pump the brakes. We're not going any farther until we get this figured out type moment. It has such profound implications for every single one of us. It's not something that we can simply hear and just move on with our days. It is way bigger than that. It's an earth stood still moment. Now, this would probably be a good time for me to kind of point out that I don't actually believe that when God sent his son to earth that the earth like literally stopped rotating, that it stood still, as has been pointed out by many trolls on social media. You know, if the earth actually stood still, there'd be a bunch of natural disasters. It's like, oh my goodness, I know. It's a moment that you can count on one hand. It's like having your first child. It's getting that life-altering diagnosis. Ladies, it's it's kissing your man on your wedding day. Guys, more like that night. It's those moments (laughs) that you can truly count on one hand where everything just seems to stop and the earth stands still. God, our creator, sending his one and only son to earth for for you, for me, that's bigger than significant. That's earth stopping, that's earth shaking, and it's why Christmas doesn't require reflection. You've heard me say it. Christmas requires and demands a response. And, And that has been my prayer leading up to today, that for a lot of you, for maybe the first time in your life, you won't just reflect on what you hear on what you see, on what you experience tonight. That this won't just be another Christmas, but it becomes the Christmas that you actually respond to what God has done for every single one of us. John has some more thoughts on the subject of love. He says, God showed, he demonstrated, he proved it. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, because we're actually pretty terrible at that, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take 
away our sins. God has gone to enormous lengths, not to pay you back, but to win you back. God has gone to great lengths to be made near to you. And he didn't send us a second chance because we would have screwed up the second chance and the third one and the fourth one and the fifth one. He sent us exactly what every single one of us need. He sent us a savior. And you know what? Deep down, I think you know that's true. I think that you know that you need help. I think you know you would have screwed up a second chance. I think you know that you need a savior. And here's why I say that, and here's why I'm so confident of that. And this sounds so harsh. It sounds like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you're gonna say that out loud. But, but the reason that I know that to be true is because you can't even get you right. You screw up all the time. You can't even keep your own standard. You, you do things, take God out of it. We're in the moment. You know it's not what is best for you, but you go ahead and plow forward and just do it anyway. You pay for your mistakes. I mean, you dedicate money and resources. I mean, you plan your mistakes, and afterwards you go, I can't believe that I did that again. So if you can't even keep your own standard, do you honestly think that somehow you're keeping up with God, your creator? <laughs> but fortunately for us, God doesn't write us off. He doesn't go forget these people and walk away. No, he chose to get involved. And it started on Christmas a couple thousand years ago when he sent his one and his only son. Not for you in broad terms, but like you specifically. So what if? What if that's true? How will you respond to what God has done? I'm begging you. Don't let this be just another Christmas. Don't just merely reflect, but respond. Listen, it's almost impossible to comprehend that the most high God would make the standard so simple and so straightforward that the way that we are called righteous, the way that we are called approved isn't based on what you do. It's not based on who you're related to. It's so much simpler than that. It's trust. Faith, belief, however you want to define it. Do you believe that God sent his one and his only son to you so that you could be redeemed? And that simple acknowledgement of trust, we're told time and time and time again. People have only made it complicated, but God has made it very clear. That simple acknowledgement of trust, faith, belief, when you are right standing with God. He made it so simple on Christmas. Love came down a love that is entirely undeserved, a love that we'll never be able to comprehend, a, a love that holds nothing back. Love came down and the earth stood still.